because every one negative experience or thought, guess what? It takes three positive ones to replace it. Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and thank you again, whoever is listening to this podcast and at whatever time you are listening to. You are listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper, and I am Denise Cooper. And for the next 30, 35 minutes or so, we're going to talk about the kinds of things, giving you actionable items, but also helping you understand what's in front of you, what's causing you not to be able to move and be as ambitious and, and successful as you might want to, or in a time frame that you want to. So we're going to give you some good content. And I am so excited for today's conversation. As you know, if you've been following me, you notice that I have moved from just being a coach and leadership to careers to now I am working in the field of healthcare. And I have a burning desire to change the way we think about healthcare in this country and not just this country, but globally. So much has come out. There's so many new technologies, and yet the inequities that exist in healthcare are something that is daunting. And I have to say, it's daunting for everyone. And so unless we can get our heads wrapped around what are the things we can do and how we can do better, it's going to be different for us to close the gap and get rid of some of the healthcare inequities that we are seeing and are causing so much cost and distress, not just to people in general, but employers are suffering from it, children are suffering from it, schools are suffering from it. Every industry is talking about burnout. And today we're going to talk about burnout in the healthcare industry. It is quietly kept and occasionally you'll see articles that say nurses are burnout, people are quitting the healthcare industry, but it really the impact of that rarely goes spoken. And we need to have a conversation around not just that it's happening, but what can we do to kind of stem the tide? Because this specialized field touches everyone at some point in their life. And we need people who are at the top of their game, but also enjoying what they like. And there are a lot of structural things in place that keep doctors, nurses, healthcare providers from doing the best and delivering the best to all of us. And so today we're going to talk with Sabrina Pubic. Did I get that right? Wrong back. Why does it say P-U-N-B? She misspelled it. <laughs> She's got P-U-N-B-E-C. And I kept thinking, that's not right. Rumbeck. Okay, stop again. Today, we're going to talk to Sabrina Rumbeck. She's a PHP, MHS, PAC, and a cardiac thoracic surgeon, physician's associate. She's got over 10 years experience in public health and neuroscience. And so if you ever think that all the letters that we earn mean anything, Sabrina, who is one of the most generous people that I've met, really doesn't live by the letters, but she lives from her heart. And she's 
really ex experience in helping people, particularly physicians and healthcare pr practitioners in the health and neuroscience area, overcome burnout, working, work overcoming burnout, and helping her clients stop having these endless to-do lists and constantly putting out fires. And once she works with you, they are able to move steadily forward without experiencing the upper limits of those of that constant stress. She is still practicing in surgery and empowering other healthcare leaders to have a double win in both work and life. That's why people call her the queen of performance and productivity. On her, hmm, let's say, other time <laughs> that she might have, she hosts The Provider's Edge, a podcast, and is an internationally bestseller author of books called Asian Women Who Boss Up and Sacred Redesign. So if you think she's, you know, you're stressed out, this lady has figured out how to do all of these things and still look absolutely gorgeous and flawless. Hey, Sabrina. <laughs> Hi, Denise. You're so kind. <laughs> not. If people could see you, they would be like, oh, my God, there's not a stress mark on you. <laughs> you know, one thing I always say is when we look beautiful in our teens and 20s, thanks to our parents, right? Good genes pass out. But when we look beautiful in our 30s and beyond, thank ourselves for taking care of ourselves. There you go. And I think it's very true. <laughs> but I know you and you have been such a help to me in understanding the perspective in healthcare, but my audience doesn't. So tell us your story. Yeah, I appreciate it. I used to be your typical busy bee. Never know how to stop, always thinking, always have ideas, always doing things to make things happen. Maybe it's my luck, maybe something. Anytime I want to do something, I made it happen. And I think that's how I grew up as the only child, only girl in a family of all boy cousins. So <laughs> that competitiveness also kicks in because I came from an Asian family where you're supposed just to be get good grade, marry off, have kids, you should be set. And for me, it's like, heck no, I gone through that. I just not feel good. And also doing all those times, I got two bachelor, two masters, got into medicine. I had four job offers before I even got my license. And I was in a round like so set, right? Like you want to get jumping, running. Oh, you're funny, a provider. You're funny doing things. Yes, let's go. That type of mentality, no matter what we start, right? Especially you starting something new, creating your own practice, become the chief of your department. Every nuances. It's novelty. That's why we love it. That's what mm -hmm. drives us. However, mm -hmm. eventually we're going to hit a point that we know things are not sustainable. Mm. I hit that point when I start just operating multiple cases a day, being on call 24 seven, pretty much I was on call one month, 29 days straight uh, wow. to the point that I start getting sick a lot myself. Yeah, I would still have to scrub and operate. And when I finally had the courage to tell myself, lady, you need to take a sick day. And then the other end from admin goes, Sabrina, you didn't thought to tell us sooner? Like we can predict when we get sick. Those are the point that I felt we did so much in, as providers, as healthcare in general for our patients. 
we all talk about eye care values, right? The integrity, the compassion, advocate for our patient. However, we're not actually embody those toward each other, and especially how we treat ourselves. And I believe, yes, we do have a big burnout issue. But what drives the burnout really is a leadership and decision-making issue. And when we are able to hire ourselves, sorry, change ourselves into a place of higher functioning, then we realize we can gain the appreciation. We can earn who we are and trust that we're not hurting our own identity, our own value, and get to the next level of performance. So I went back to my root of neuroscience and public health before I went into medicine. And back then my thesis were on self-care, self-efficacy, stress management. And then I dove deeper into performance science. How are the large executive organizational executives, entrepreneurs, athletes, and people who are able to function in those very large arena and maintain their success without stressing themselves out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I pivot out and helping my own group of different hospital organizations on how do we hire? How do we train people? What do we need to keep people in their spot? And then eventually realizing I actually don't like to work with large organization because there are a lot of pushback, a lot of mm-hmm. meetings before something happening. When I start working with people who are brave to create their own practices where they've been running for a while, they have the sense of understanding what they do and don't do matters so much for their team and their patients. And therefore, there's not so much a fear of, oh, we have to be perfect planned out before we do something, try something, but actually any modification toward what you need to do, those smaller consistent steps are leapfrog instead of planning the perfect plan, Mm -hmm. wasting time of inactivity and actually losing out on your result. So now I help practice owners to gain back a day per week, really thinking about how we optimize our own personal efficiency by creating our mental fitness, getting our own tendency optimized means you don't get into your own way anymore. And have a system that works for you instead of one of the studies saying on average, people use 14 different tools to keep them productive per day. But those tools can potentially cost you to be ineffective because all the lures and whatnot, right? And then looking into the practice efficiency, how are we leveraging digital health technology so all the new ways of Medicare incentives requiring us to do X, Y, Z for our most sick population, right? We know the 60% of our population have at least one or more chronic diseases, and they are causing about 80% of non-billable work for any practices. So they need a lot of help. They need a lot of support. And they actually don't want it to come back to see you. So mm-hmm. how do we make sure we take care of them without adding more staff, more costs into your existing practice and losing out and actually be able to use technology that automatically track their progress so we know whether they are progressing in the right direction 
or we can ask them to come back to see you in person or have a telemedicine visit with you. Wow, you just said so much that I'm not even sure where I'd start unpacking. Okay. <laughs> so let's just kind of start at the beginning of what you said. So one of the things you talked about was this idea of when we're not at our best, it impacts our leadership ability and decision-making ability. And you said that there's research that demonstrates that that is true. Can you talk a little bit about how would I know, because I don't think people just wake up. It's kind of like what your story was, 28 days, 29 days working straight before it dawned on you. That's probably not a good idea. And I think I think most of us just get into that rut. We just keep going, keep going. How would I, now that I'm listening to this podcast, how would I actually know that my leadership or my decision-making is suboptimal? Right. That's such a great question. Now, everyone actually is a leader in itself. If you ever proposed a question, if you ever found a gap, and if you ever wanted something to be changed. Mm -hmm. Now, providers specifically, if you're a chief of some sort, if you're running your own practice, you are more than just a provider. Mm -hmm. You are more than even a manager. You Mm -hmm. are the vision for your whole team and for your patients. Mm -hmm. And therefore, one of the most common things from my clients is I am so clear on exactly what I want patient to do. Why are they not listening to me? I am so clear. I even have deadlines for my team, for my medical system. I don't understand why this thing is not done. And if you think about these problems that we experience, or, oh, I actually have this core patient list, I review them, and darn it, this patient showed up late. Oh, do I have to open up my office a little later just because I really don't want to send them away, right? So these things, actually, we call them in positive intelligence, sabotaging tendencies. What that means is we learned through our our life different ways to interact with people. Mm -hmm. Now, and we push ourselves into certain spot and feeling like if I stress myself, that means I can refocus myself right? And if I'm not under pressure, then I'm not sure. I think I have all the time in the world. However, it's just simply a false belief. And number one of the 10 sabotaging tendency, we call that judgment. So if you think about all the time that you have created some kind of negativity, or you put yourself down, you put other people, you start feeling like that's not right in some way, and then you start went down the rabbit hole, it's because our judger is doing that. So we say it's simply a persona. It's not your fault. It's just a, a persona our brain created. But if you start recognizing those things, and the faster you can recognize that, then we can do neural remodulation to get ourselves out. Because every one negative experience or thought, guess what? It takes three positive ones to replace it. Oh, wow. Wow. One to three. Okay. Right. So when you think about the leadership, the chaos, it's because number one, our judger is telling us you should have done more. You could have seen more patients. And how could you not know your patient end up in an ER? Oh, is a, did, did you not catch something for them? Right. We start questioning our ability and ourselves and hurting mm-hmm. our identity. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that these high performers, right? Like the professionals in medicine is that we actually have a tendency of controlling. 
We like to be in the know. We're nosy. We wanted to know everything about everything because we feel like if I tell people exactly what to do and you're, I'm in the know for everything, now I feel safer, right? I feel like everything is taken care of because everything is by my liability.、Mm-hmm. But that actually in itself is creating a lot of stress and anxiety for you,、mm-hmm. right? And another one that's very common is called hyper vigilant. Means we're worrying a lot. We're always worried about something, right? And this worry not necessarily just about work. One of my clients, she has a two doctor team, and she actually have a great team of her therapists, assistants. But she can't get away. She's also a mom, so she's worried about her kids. She's worried about if she go on vacation. What if I have to upload front load? My entire week, and she will double her patient load. And then when she come back, guess what? She's like, Sabrina, I feel like I need another vacation. This,、mm-hmm. I I've been back for one day. I can't do this, right? It's the process of you're constantly worried about something, and then you're not letting yourself to say it's okay. You hire the right people to take care of your patients when you're away, and you should trust that. Right to be even just to learn to not have these crazy thoughts. So if we catch that, I can say, "Oh, that's my hypervigilant." Let me reset myself so that I can actually move and do activity toward where I need to go. Yeah, because I one of the things I know on my side is hypervigilant managers actually teach their people not to care and not to think. Because they will, the boss will tell them everything they need to do, so they wait to hear what they need to do, and they never go out and learn on their own. They also have issues around criticism because when it comes up, they they they've been told what to do for a very long time, and so then if it's a mistake, it's really not my mistake. So the accountability is not on me. I just did what you told me to do, and I'm just waiting for you to tell me what to do. And so each one of those that you talked about actually has an impact on how you're leading other individuals. One of the other things you said very early on is that as you're working with them, you start to help them help your physicians, physician managers, executives figure out how to hire, train, and keep people. What is it that they're doing? I can see how these tendencies of high performers, and that's really you almost nailed it from the research on who's a high performer. They, you know, they tend to be overthinkers. They tend to be hyper vigilant. They tend to bring everything in towards them and take. Ownership of everything in it, but so so now I'm kind of stuck in this. How is that affecting who I hire and how I train them? Yeah, I think the more that we can understand our tendency. Now we only spoke about four, right?、Mm-hmm. There's still six more. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody who wanted to go down to see to understand yourself better. So then you can work with other people. So something that I do with my client is I take them through the assessment, and then we start breaking down when is this tendency happening in your life for the let's say the past week. And at that time, did you catch yourself?、Mm-hmm. That's the key thing. If we couldn't catch ourselves, guess what? A few days later, you're like, "Oh shoot, I didn't mean that, right?" Like that now already ripple effect you have to solve. So if we can catch ourselves, then it's easier, because then, as I mentioned, neural remodulate. I teach people what's called a two-minute mental vacation. Okay.、So、take a take a mini 
mental vacation for two minutes. Now there's a sequence that we do, right? Both on breath work, tapping into your senses, and then really allow yourself to reset. So one time I had one of the CEO nurse, I just pull her aside. I'm like, let's do this. And she's like, oh my God, I can go on another 12 hours. <laughs> I was like, probably you need to go home and sleep. But like thinking about how powerful, even within two minutes, you can reset yourself and understand when you do more than one time throughout the day means you completely refill your tank right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure all of you guys, if you grab your phone right now, you know exactly how much battery is left on your phone. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, oh my God, I can't believe my phone is dying. Right. Let's go charge it. So we always so glued to our phone. However, we do not have that dial system in our body to tell us what's the percentage of my energy right now. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then if we don't have that, guess what? If your energy is low, you're stressed out. It's end of the day. They have shown that there's one publication that orthopedic doctors have offered less surgery to them patients because mm. they were fatigued. Mm. And therefore, it's crazy that we are actually not giving the best medical service to our patients when we're tired. Just same thing, let's say a not so significant case, even when you're tired, upset, when was the last time you had a conversation with another person? and you're just tired and not feeling right. And then you actually had a great conversation, right? Because other people can sense your energy level. When you are cheery, when you're positive, when you trust yourself, when you're confident and have that conversation, then that person trusts you even more because they can sense your positivity and confidence. And therefore we have to continuously to refill our tank without let it drain all the way down, right? Some people would tell me, Sabrina, I, I, I know how to take care of myself. I'll do a yoga session at the end of my day. I'll do meditation first thing in the morning. I'm like, those are great, but are you doing that every day? And they're going to cost you at least 30 minutes, right? How many of us would say, I'm so consistent to allow myself to do that 30 minutes every day. Now, two minutes, on the other hand, is so doable. Mm -hmm. And you can take a even a restroom break, right? On, on your way out, do a quick reset, maybe doing your lunch break right before you go back to see your patients or do the next case run that meeting, do a reset. And also yeah. ask yourself that question of how you want to show up for those people to yeah. put yourself into a better spot. It's very interesting because I I know that the most deadliest times for decision making, and this has been proven across the board, is that one to three o'clock hour. If you're making difficult decisions between one and three, you're most likely to make suboptimal decisions at that particular time. And I think it is what you're talking about is somehow we push very hard early in the morning. We have decision fatigue between one and three. And then, you know, those get sub-optimized and now four o'clock shows up and you've got to power back up again to get through the rest of the two hours or three hours that you're working or four hours for some of us, particularly if you're working global or transglobal in different time zones and whatnot. I wanted, you know, this is going so great and, and we're moving so fast, but I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about, there's so much discussion about physicians and, and nurses and healthcare people just saying, you know what, I, it, I can't do this anymore. It is probably one of the, the 
biggest problems I think as a country we're going or a world we're going to face because that particular specialty is difficult to replace. It takes so long to groom a healthcare professional if we have at in mass people walking away without using some kind of technology to help you know, ease out the transition, I think we're going to see some kind of, and maybe we won't even know it because we don't collect the data, but we're going to see some issues that pop up, particularly with 60% of the population having at least one chronic disease. You're so right. And then we know they are the hardest to take care of. And therefore, one of the great things nowadays is remote patient monitoring mm-hmm. and technology have been showing up. Now I'm a big component of that because when it's done right with the soft right software, guess what? We do not need to have our existing medical assistant nurses and doctors to do the outreach to patient. Mm-hmm. And you are actually proactively tracking their progress because up to this point, we have not had that build into our practice, right? How many practices you actually have one person dedicated to make calls or to somehow ask your patient who hasn't been coming in for a few months, or even let's say the patient who just recently got discharged from the hospital, you don't want them to come back right away, right? That's going to be a big thing for the hospital. And so how do you ensure then care? Not everyone also qualifies for home nursing visits. And even they do is only about twice a week. That's Mm -hmm. not enough, right? And Mm -hmm. so for us to be able to understand where is the gap, are you actually taking your medication every day? For the patient who are having blood pressure issues, are you checking blood pressure at least twice a day before you take your medication to make right. sure you're in the right range. And for those who has diabetic, especially those on insulin, are you understanding where your sugar at? And then that big influx of glucose number, if you're not consciously thinking, then we have staff to actually reach out to you to say, hey, what's going on? We see this on our side. So the concept, especially for me, I am the executive director of people and clinical outcome for MRG Health. And they're one of the only companies that can provide telemedicine, remote monitoring, principal disease management, chronic disease management, transitional care means the discharge and preventative care. And not Mm -hmm. only they're giving providers this software to already Bluetooth synchronize all the biometric devices and even patients, especially who are underserved, right? They don't have money to pay. We'll give them a device for free just so we can make sure they are being cared for. And anytime that there's a alert show up and they'll be reached out in 24 hours to get a phone call. Hey, Mr. Smith, we see this happening. What is, what is going on with you? Would you like to see a provider? So now we're proactively keeping patients accountable instead of just say you're responsible for all you care. Half the time, as providers, we're already busy enough. It's hardly that we even take care of ourselves. How would you expect your patients who barely know the care that they're getting to actually do everything that we want them to do? Right, right, right. So by having technology, um, and also it's not just having a technology, there's a whole virtual care team need to be built out. 
right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, when we have the virtual care team to reach out to patient, you don't use your existing staff and then putting more work on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that free up both when your patient come in, they're not in their most critical state anymore. That 20 minutes you have with them is going to be maintenance and then really engage with that education. Instead of they come in with 10 problems, you're like, where do we start? We don't even have time to do all this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you end up picking only one thing, then we have to choose to ignore others, even though we don't want to do. And if we choose be such givers and extend that visit, then you back up every other patient. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that becomes a vicious circle then. And, and of course, overwhelm. Just the fact that you visually see that you're behind creates a certain amount of pressure on you. And then your thinking just goes into a different direction, goes into that negative loop of, I right. can't do this, I can't do this. And then, you know, our bodies in general are looking and sensing entities for what's wrong, not necessarily what's right, correct? Correct, because that's how we're training in medicine yes. is detecting what's abnormal. So when we keep thinking about what's abnormal, then we start processing logically for everything that we do. Then we keep finding what's abnormal. And also it matches our primitive brain, right? Our brain are not made to make us happy. It's actually make us to feel that we need to be worried on alert all the time. So yeah. when you think about this big population of people who are most sick, most likely to go, you know, haywire somewhere. And mm -hmm. then, and they actually create 80% of non-billable work, mm -hmm. right? The care coordination, refill medication, referral specialists, maybe they actually needed to help with transportation, all these care coordination thing. And they also don't take up all the preventative side that insurance ever cover for. So yeah, you create a huge amount of work that you have to pay your staff to do, but you're actually not able to build. So when we're monitoring patient, providing telemedicine, tracking their care, and then be able to do that, that actually are billable. Medicare are able to build that. So then now you have a company not only give you the technology, give you the additional staff and help you to build, then of course you can reduce the possibility of your staff feel burned out. They start jumping shift, right? Or the physician feel like I start losing the joy I have in medicine because all I want is to be there with my patients to make sure they're okay. But if I'm so stretched thin, I can't even keep up. Now, how am I actually spent the right mental capacity with my existing patients. Yeah. And the less that they feel engaged in it, the less the patient is going to feel engaged. And then you have this loop of, you know, I don't trust you enough to tell you what's going on. I only have a few minutes. I feel like I'm rushed. And so the patient loses out, the doctor loses out, and it's this unfulfilling loop that's created between both of them. I can right. see how this is, you know, these are things that... What you're talking about is or one solution that you're offering to people, particularly practices, is there's a lot of technology out here that can reduce this non-billable hours issue as well as wraparound care for people in general. The, the big thing is, is that how, we, how do we get them engaged and learning that this is available 
and to start thinking, particularly when you're talking about practice leaders or people who are in large organizations, to stop thinking about so much on the billable hours, but thinking about patient care and how do we create ways in which people are more engaged with us, aligned with us, because that's what engagement really is, is you're aligned with me. And then does it, will the system work better for everybody? Yeah, that's a, such an amazing question because from the admin side, we're going to want to know our data, right? Mm-hmm. We care about the data, we care about our OI because if we don't have revenue, you pay nobody, everyone's going to leave. And then on the flip side, as a provider, we're like, does this work? What about my liability, right? So it's, and then how would my patient actually learn the process? So those actually been solved because guess what? We have concierge. Right. Mm-hmm. These concierge are medical assistants and the LPNs who are already have the medical knowledge and they're specifically trained to reach to these patients to give them a virtual tour and for how this whole program works. And they're dedicated to only assign so many patients per day and mm-hmm. they're obligated to reach out to the patient. So it's all patient from engagement. And now from the liability side, actually a new MPI is created for the practice. And therefore the doctors do not have their own liability because it's separate MPI altogether, right? It's not really under their name. And so the liability default into the program instead of the doctor. It is simply a better way to identify problems much sooner and bring them back to the office. So there's the integration of the help set up in place. Now, I think your question, the crucial question you brought up is how do we get people know, right? And there are some organization I've been talked to, everyone start to thinking about this already. They mm-hmm. just have a different level of problem. What I've seen a bigger issue is they start doing, creating additional staff, additional hire to do this, but they don't have the software to track okay. or then it become very labor intensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's say some of them have adopted some type of software but it's very limited, just that one interface, and they don't have the staff to keep track. Mm-hmm. So you either losing out, require more staff, that means you have to hire more to try this out that you don't really know, or you have no software, you just like, oh, I just hire a bunch of people that I, I can make my call, I can do it my own way. But then there's no interface directly into your EMR system. Right. Now it's also not good for us. Now it's going to take us even longer to document. We all know documentation already takes so much time on our day. Right. And then the third thing is some people don't know how to bill. They are actually not compliant enough to actually do the collection. So, what's the point of doing all this? Right. When you have multiple holes and still couldn't bring in the revenue for the practice, that means you're not you only spot trading your patient. All three components need to be in place. Your virtual care team, the concierge help that directly helping your patients doing the education part. Right. The the health literacy part about their disease and what they need to do, why they need to do that and then be consistent. And you have the software to be able to track and synchronize your communication in the HIPAA compliant way and connecting both the existing patient with chronic disease. And when they got out of the hospital, track them in that period, make sure they don't go back. And also 
just make sure they don't end up in a hospital in the first it's place. Efficacy, right? yeah. The efficacy, yeah. Efficacy, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, we could probably talk another forty-five minutes or an hour. I am so so happy, and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with my audience. And how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I am very active on LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. so feel free to grab. Just type my name, Sabrina Rombach, in LinkedIn and have a chat with me. Otherwise, I have plenty of information. That I run a podcast show, as we mentioned earlier. What's the name of your we- podcast again? The Provider's Edge. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually turning into a TV show. So I'm very excited about that. So we interview successful practice owners to highlight their work. And feel free to check out on LinkedIn or any of your favorite podcast listening spot. And then as of end of next month, we'll be on Apple TV, Roku, and Firestick as well for the TV segment under Win Win Women. And otherwise, I have plenty of free resources on my website. Again, just my name, Sabrina Rombach. Oh, thank you so much. All right, guys, you know what I'm going to say. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will start a conversation that will help you close the gap. And it is only through collaboration and conversation that we really can come together to solve the most difficult problems. Once again, this idea of healthcare, if we don't get up under it, it is going to affect all of us. Imagine 60% of the population today has a chronic disease. And chronic means it's ever-present and not something you can just take a pill to or get a stent and have it fixed. So with that, I appreciate you. Remember to follow. Sabrina is open to any questions that you have, and I hope that you will reach out to her and I will see you next week. See ya. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper, and you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.